Good morning, everybody. Take a second and just look around this room. This is incredible. I'm telling you, this is the 930 service. Y'all are, are just saved and full of the Holy Spirit and, and awake, full of coffee and Jesus. Woo, praise the Lord. So, no, this is awesome. So, um, man, this is our, our, our third week in this series that we've been looking at called Elements. And we've been looking at the basic idea of some faith elements, some things that we need to have moving in our lives and through our lives. And we're going to jump right into this today. Is that all right? So how many went to the, the few of you went to the ladies retreat and us men. All right. Yeah, yeah. There's some up here. Us men that stayed home with the kids. Whoo. So I want to take a second before I preach and honor my wife, Amy. You're a saint. I'm telling you, she's a shirt and she ain't. And uh, my children were something all weekend long. And I'm um, little Arden. She wanted to be hold. Hold you, daddy. Hold you, daddy. Hold you, daddy. Hold. And I'm like, don't you want to see mommy? She said, no, no, I want mommy. I want daddy. Hold you, daddy. Now, that makes you feel good. But after you hold your child for like 12 hours on that, <laughs> put her to bed at 8 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock. She wakes up at 1.15 in the morning crying. Wakes up Mac. Mac wakes up. Those children are up from 1.15 to 5.15 in the morning. <laughs> Four hours of hold me, daddy, hold me, daddy. And um, man, all I know is I'm thankful that I have a heavenly father. Amen? Yeah, there it is. That preacher will always flip it, won't he? Won't a preacher flip it? You know what I'm saying? But I got a heavenly father that sometimes hold me, daddy, hold me, daddy, you know? And he'll rush right in and with all my craziness and all my, my um, wah, you know, he'll still be daddy. He's still there for me. And so open your Bibles this morning to Exodus chapter 6. We're getting right back in the spot where we've been. If you've missed and this is your first time, today is a day that will be all right. You'll get it. You won't miss nothing. Just go back and listen to the podcast if you can, and that'll bring you along with us. But we've been looking at the idea of this element, this, this basic steps of faith that every believer needs to move in. And if we move in these things and allow these things to move through us, then we will have spiritual success in a sense. We'll, we'll see effectiveness in our lives and through our lives. And I likened it to the idea of those bellows. The bellows you saw in that video, we just saw them old-fashioned bellows. They, they breathe in, they take air in, and they, they, take, and they blow air out. And, and I got to thinking as a human, isn't that what we do? You know, God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living being. In that moment, man begins to live. The last thing you do on earth is you exhale that air. But that intake and exhaling is just a part that marks life. And if it marks physical life, I believe the element of breath, the, in, the receiving and releasing, is really what marks spiritual life as well. And so we want what God wants to do in us. That's the, the inhaling. Everybody receive. All right, now we're not a bunch of like weirdos here, you know, I'm not going to get you, um, no, like that, nothing, but, but receive, okay, that's over here, that's the receiving, okay, God, what do you want to do in me? What are you working in my life? Last week, we looked at the idea of salvation. What does that look like in me to be saved? And then I told you last Sunday, save people, save people. And so it's not enough to go, hey, I'm fine. No, no, no. God, you've done a work in me. Help me to walk this path out and be a bridge between what you're doing and what you desire to do in the lives of others who need to take a good deep breath. How many have some friends that might need a good deep breath? You know, just they need refreshed by the presence and power of God. And if we can get that flow happening, the church will live. Amen. The church will thrive. The church will have babies. Those babies will grow to live and thrive and have 
babies. And they'll live and thrive and have. I like having babies. I have five of them. And they'll have. All right. Man, I love seeing life in a church, you know, when you're breathing in. And, and I get phone calls all the time. Pastor, guess what God's done in my life? And I love it. And I'll hear those stories of what God's doing in people's lives, you know. And, and sometimes those stories along the line of I, I stopped this and I quit at that or quit that or I started this or I, you know. But then I love it even more. After a while, those phone calls will change. And it's like, it's not, hey, pastor, guess what God did to me? It'll be, hey, pastor, guess what God did through me? You know, and that might sound like bragging, but it's not. They're just so dumbfounded. I know how you feel. I'm your pastor. For 25 years, I've been like, oh my gosh, you use me? No way. And I'll get these phone calls, and they're like, pastor, you can't believe it. This week, I was talking to somebody, and next thing you know, I had a word of, they didn't even know what it's called. That's a word of knowledge. I had a point of information to share with them, and I shared with them, and it bore witness with their heart, and next thing you know, they're moving closer to the things of God because of something I did. That's cool. And so really, that's faith. That's all it is, the elements of the Christian walk. God, what do you want to do in me? And what do you want to do through me? And if I get to a point where, God, I don't care about you doing a thing in me, then I'm not going to walk as a successful Christ follower, you know? I'm not, I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm just, you're just missing the best. You're not being forged into something armor, uh, battle ready. You're not being forged into something that is incredible, you know? Or if, God, you're doing all this work in me, and man, I'm serving you, and I'm growing in you, and, and, but don't send me to the world. World's scary. No, no, no. They need the world. They need the church. They need you. And so we can't just go, God, receive, receive. Remember last week? You can only inhale so much. At some point, you've got to release. You've got to exhale. So you've got to allow God to use you to do something in others' lives. And, and as you do that, that is that ebb and flow of spiritual, I believe, spiritual success. And so we're just stripping down faith to its bare elements. And God did this for us in a beautiful thing that he shared out of Exodus chapter 6 with Moses. And, and, and the Jewish people have taken this ancient story of redemption and deliverance and salvation, and they have celebrated it by the the request of the Lord to remember it through a meal. And that meal is called Seder. That, that experience is called Passover. We call it Easter. But that Seder meal, during that meal, the Jewish person will celebrate and look back to these that in their lives, these things that God is going to do in the lives of his people. And as he does that in their lives, year after year, they remember what God has done. All right? It's good to look back, right? But I believe as a Christ follower, we can look at the same four I wills. And it could be something for us that doesn't give us something just to look back on. It gives us something as a path to move forward in. And so it's an ancient plan that God has always wrought, and we get to be a part of it. Amen? I love that the church grafted into God's people of Israel all together, looking back and looking forward to what God wants to do. And so if you would, open your Bibles. Let's stand to our feet as we read Exodus chapter 6. And we'll look at these key elements and like I said, I believe these are the elements that God wants to do in our lives and through our lives. These four elements during the meal are represented as cups, okay? Last week, we looked at the cup of salvation. This week, we're looking at the cup of deliverance. And so it, let's go down here to verse 5. We're going to cut out a little bit of the scripture we read last week because we read it twice, the first and second week of the series. Let's just go right to verse 5. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel 
whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Please, 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 if you're here today and there's groaning in your heart that things are not the way they should be or need to be, God has not forgotten you. His promises are still yea and amen. He's still on the throne, all right? 400 years of slavery, and he was still the God of the Israelites, and they were still the apple of his his eye. But they were going through that, but God still had a plan, and just like that, he has a plan for you. you got to remember, it was rebellion. It was was rebellion that pushed them from God's best. And so we we challenge ourselves. Today, we're going to be looking at the subject of deliverance. God, what is it in my life that may be keeping me from your best? And so I'm going to own that, God, but you're still the God of promise. You're still a God that as I turn to you, you turn to me, and you have a plan and a path. And so let's go on. It says this, I will deliver you, I'm sorry, I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. That was salvation. I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from Egypt under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I'll give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen. And I'll get to this part here in a little bit because of their broken spirit and their, 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 their harsh slavery they had experienced. We'll, we'll get to that last verse here in a little bit. But let's take a moment and just pray. Father, right now, over the next few minutes, to embrace the home, what it looks like to embrace deliverance what it looks like to embrace the freedom that you've called us to walk in, Jesus, and how it looks in our lives to be those that would extend that deliverance to others, Jesus. We just lift this to you in your name. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. During the course of the Passover meal, the one that is leading the experience of the Passover meal, they will speak over throughout the course these four I wills. I will save you, I will deliver you, I will redeem you, I I will, and so on, okay? They'll speak through those things, and that meal that they do it through is called a Seder. I'm going to put an advertisement up on the screen, if that's okay. If you guys have never been a part of a Seder, we did one last year, we're doing one again this Wednesday night. Today, you need to sign up so that we know how many people are coming. But we have a pastor, uh, um, Murray Tillis, he's a a wonderful Christian Jewish man who's just a a blessing to our, our, our lives. And Murray's coming to take us through a a Jewish Seder, but he'll interject how you can see Jesus throughout that whole meal, you know. It's a beautiful thing. And and a Jewish family, every Passover, as they take Seders, they go through this process. They're declaring Jesus, even unknowns to them. You see Jesus weave throughout the whole thing. And Murray's going to help us to be able to see that. And um, and for us today, over the series rather, we're kind of pulling from that that meal from that Seder experience. So, so if you want to kind of see what that meal is like, come enjoy it with us on, on Monday night. But when it comes down to this idea of the four cups, it speaks to the four I wills. And the Lord just spoke something to my spirit this week. I love this. It is the four I wills. It wasn't, it wasn't that it's the four I might, you know. It's the four I wills. I will save you. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. What's that mean? That means to cause you to have value. I will show you that you have value. 
I will bring fulfillment. I will fulfill you. Oh my goodness, it's, he's not the God of the I might. He's the God of the I will. And there's some people in this room today that you need to hear that. You need to allow that to sink deep down in your heart that God is the God of the I will. And for you, you may be going through something. Yeah, 400 years of slavery. But a God that was a God of his promises, a God of his covenant, he stands and says, I will. He will. Amen. He will. And, and, and the thing about it is, but, but, but pastor, I'm going through so much. I know that, and so does he. You're still the apple of his eye, honey. You're still the apple of his eye, sir. He is the God of, of I will, not the God of, of I might. And so with that one will is this, that he, he comes, he says, said before, deliver you. In other words, I'm going to bring freedom to your life. And so as I've said before, that our success is accomplished when we move from where we are to where God wants us to be, and then we've been saying, and we take others with us on that journey, but today we're kind of honing in on, on um, I think there's a slide for that, we're honing in on the idea of the first part of that, maybe there's not a slide for that, yeah, it's the next slide, hello, there we go. Our success is accomplished when we move from where we are to where God wants us to be. Really, to, to me, deliverance is speaking to that, Okay. God brings us out of Egypt, and then he has a process of taking us where we need to be in our lives, and he has a process of working Egypt out of us, right? And so we're focusing in more today on the idea of what God wants to do in us and where he's taking us, but here's the thing about it. Last week, we looked at the cup of salvation. So many are satisfied partaking only from the cup of salvation, just satisfied drinking the first cup, and man, I've, I've Come to the faith in Christ. I, I believe in Jesus. I, I'm saved and, and I'm, I'm okay. And that's good. And I, I get that, you know. I think sometimes as a church, we can make in our modern church setting, we can make it real easy, you know. Pray a prayer. Come to faith in Christ. Now you got it. If you really want to be sure, let's baptize you. Now we've got you wet and you got it. Come on, you know. And then you come to church every week and church is, it's fun, amen. I'll just be honest. We have a good time, don't we? And man, you got great worship here, amen. I, the band, always thankful for what God does through Pastor Corey and his team. I mean, and if you're new, you'll see, if you've been here a few weeks, it's like, it's somebody different every week up there. I know. God has given this little church, I'm telling you, so many people that want to serve him up here. It's amazing. I've never seen, we have people every week leave here to go help other churches that need help. And we welcome them to do that, amen. And I'm just Thank God there's so much, so many people that want to serve the Lord here. But here's the thing about it. All I'm saying is that Sunday morning experience, sometimes we make it too easy, you know. It is true. The goodness of God draws men to repentance. And around here, we celebrate his goodness. And, and we do challenge us to grow and to change. But, man, we are not like the clothesline preachers, you know, shooting you down for everything you wear and everything you do and everything you think and everything. We believe the goodness of God draws us to repentance. And so repentance comes and with it salvation. And now you can just keep drinking from the cup of of salvation you know or the stein the stein of salvation i like alliteration someone somebody will get that i like alliteration so you're drinking from the stein of salvation you know but god wants to move us deeper he wants to move us into something else you know around here we love good music we like good coffee some decent preaching laced with a little bit of humor some spiritual truths that are put low on the shelf so we all can get it right that's good stuff but god doesn't want us just to be satisfied 
with salvation. And, and it, because if that's where, because people do get saved here, if that's where we leave folks' journey, then we're missing everything. God doesn't want you just to get a stein of salvation. He wants you to get a deep, deep, deep gulp of the drink of deliverance. Amen? And at that point, everybody's like, oh no, are they bringing out the Kool-Aid? Yes, we are. No, we're not. No, we're not. And I love this. When it comes to deliverance, we see it tied to his outstretched arm. That with an outstretched arm, he's going to bring that deliverance to us. You may be here and go, I don't know. I've tried, Pastor, to get free. I've tried to walk in victory. I've tried to change. I've tried to be a better, let's just say, a better husband, you know? Guys, I'm telling you, without Jesus, my dad would never have been the man of God that he is today without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. My dad got saved at a wonderful Baptist church, and it was awesome, and it was wonderful, and it was incredible, and he still was ugly as a snake in our house. Just as mean and evil and rant and rave and tear things up and had us afraid for our lives. But one day there was a touch by the power of the Holy Spirit in my dad. And it changed everything. Why? Because dad, after about six, seven years of drinking from salvation, drinking from salvation, drinking from salvation, said, God, I need a touch of deliverance. I need a touch of the power of God on my life that I can't, I can't change this myself, God. I've been trying. But then an outstretched arm came. And began to do a work in my dad. And it changed the trajectory of my family. It changed my life. I, I'm, I'm mean, but not near as mean as my dad. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm not that mean. So, um, But when it comes down to it, I love this outstretched arm. He wants to lead you with that outstretched arm from where you are to where he desires you to be. And you got to get a picture of what that means, that outstretched arm. You ready? It's outstretched. Outstretched. It means it's close to you. He's not a distant God. When you're going through your stuff and you're struggling with your stuff and you're wondering, God, will you ever change me? Will I ever be able to walk after the things that you want me to walk after? I keep stumbling, God. I keep, he's right there. It's an outstretched arm. He's not distant from you. You draw near to him. The Bible says he draws near to you. He's right there. So it's an outstretched arm. And then we also know in scripture, an arm symbolizes power. It symbolizes power. Picture of that. If you're only drinking the cup of salvation and you're too afraid to walk into deliverance, too afraid to walk into life change, and you're just not sure if you can walk in it, can you get a picture of the outstretched arm, how close he is to you? And he's not close to you to just come upon you with just correction. He comes with correction and reproof. That means I'm here, I'm going to show you how to do this right. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. He's not a, a father that puts you in the corner with your nose bent. No, he turns you toward him, and he comes, and he, come on, I'm going to show you reproof. That's correction. I'm going to show you how to walk in this way of righteousness so that you can look like my son and talk like my son, act like my son. In other words, so you can walk in, everybody shout deliverance. That freedom. And so God loves you so much. Yes, he sets you free, and he brings you out of Egypt, but he wants Egypt to come and work itself or its way out of us as well. Now, here's the thing, though. I'm asking you to get a picture of that outstretched arm. The Israelites were having a struggle to get that picture. And I think we have a struggle to get that picture as well. And here's why. In Exodus 6, 9, just a little bit later there, it says, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses. Why? Because they're a bunch of hypocrites. Why? Because they just couldn't care. You know, if you cared enough, you'd walk right. Well, you, you tell an alcoholic that. You know, if you cared about your family, you'd change. 
No, no. It's hard to get the picture of it when you've been in slavery for so long. It says here, they couldn't listen because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. Does that make sense? And so if you're here today and you're struggling walking from salvation into deliverance, into life change, and it's just because you can't get a picture of it, I want you to see that close, outstretched arm of the Lord. He's right there. He's never gone anywhere. And he's powerful enough to bring change to your life. Don't run. Don't distance yourself. Draw close to him and watch him do his work. But that broken spirit, that speaks of them losing their hope for change. 400 years. How can I even expect to change? God, I thank you that I am your people. But I can't change. It's just who I am. It's who my dad was. It's who my mom was. or It's, who, it's what I've always been. It's what everybody expects of me. I just can't change. That's that, that, that lack of vision, that lack of being able to see yourself for anything other than that brokenness. And so they lost their hope for change. And then it says here that it was because of their harsh slavery. They lost their God-given identity. These are a people who God had said they are the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. These are a people who said that the, first would be, uh, the last would be first. These are those people who are subjugated time and time again, even throughout history, put down and put down and put down, but somehow keep rising up. Thank Jesus. Amen. And now God looks at us and gives us that same invitation to walk into deliverance. But, but God, there's harsh slavery. God, there's a broken spirit. And I just today, my prayer as we minister that God will begin to minister to your broken spirit. That God will begin to minister to the fact of your identity, who you are in him. Because like I say, he, often, he, you are some kind of something, you know. And that God will be going to do a work in you. Now, let me ask this. You may say, how do I know I need a good drink of deliverance? How do I know that? Let me, let me throw a few things out here, okay? I could give you the sin list. How do I do that? No, we're not going to do that. You know? But listen, do your eyes want to look at things that you know you shouldn't look at? Boom, there we go. Your mouth wants to say things that your mouth shouldn't say. Yeah, yeah, that person has a vile, cursing mouth. Yeah, and you're a gossip. Come on. <laughs> that, was, that was funny right there. <laughs> your heart desires something that you know your heart shouldn't desire. Your, your body longs for something that you know your body shouldn't long for. And just me mentioning that I'm going to say a few things like that, you got a little nervous. You got a little on edge. If that was the case, you might need some deliverance. Amen? Amen? How many in this room, let's be real honest, there's some things you need delivered from, raise your hand. If there's more than one thing you need delivered from, raise another. <laughs> All right, listen, everybody look around at these hands. I'm serious. I'm serious. Look around at these hands. You are in good company. All right? This is a house full of people ready for a miracle from God. You know, and people be like, man, that place is full of hypocrites. Yes. But we're trying to get the face of God. A hypocrite is somebody that's two-faced. Man, my harsh, harsh slavery and my broken spirit at times will cause you to become two-faced. You don't want, that's, yeah, we're full of hypocrites, but we're trying to get the face of Jesus. The word of God, it, it, it shows us a standard of doctrine. It then corrects us when we're wrong, or it shows reproof. It shows correction to us growing into the image of the Son. That's the face. The face. That, and what happens is when God does that in my life, guess what? People over here 
They get to see the face of Jesus. And you know, Jesus was a broken, 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 suffering Savior. And so you don't have to be perfect. Jesus was perfect, but he was broken. You don't have to be perfect. God, through your struggle, will use that to allow people to see his face. All right? Don't be robbed by your harsh slavery. Man, I don't care what you're going through. If you've repented and come to faith in Jesus, you have the face of God that is there. It's who you are. That's your identity. And don't let anybody rob you of, rob you of that. And so when it comes down to it, this, this idea, you got to remember, remember I said last week, he will take you to be his people. He says, I will take you to be my people. This isn't a salvation issue I'm talking about today. Your struggle, it's not a salvation issue. If you know you've come to faith in Christ and you're still struggling. That's not a salvation issue. God isn't against you. He's for you. He's taking you from where you are to where he desires you to be. And here's why. Because he isn't satisfied sacrificing his son Jesus to save you and to bring you out of Egypt just to let Egypt stay in you. That's not God's intention. His intention is to save you to the uttermost, to see life change take place. And so, yes, he brought Israel out of Egypt, and now he's working Egypt out of Israel. He's brought you out of sin and spiritual slavery, and he's working sin out of you. I heard it said on a church sign. I saw it this week over here on Town Lake. It said, God loves the hell out of you. (laughs) I asked my wife this morning, I was like, is that okay if I share that? She's like, you've said worse. You can sleep on the couch. I lie because she's been gone for four days. So. All right, so he wants to get the Egypt out of you. Forty years of wandering, complaining, rebelling, getting their eyes off God. But God loved them enough to keep working, trying to get the Egypt, that murmuring spirit, that complaining spirit, that slave mentality out of them. Forty years of them missing God's best because they wouldn't deal with their st- stuff and we as a church we've got to be a people that are authentic and real and we're just willing to deal with our stuff amen and you deal with your stuff and we're going to love you through it you know and 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 i had somebody call me a couple days ago pastor i need to talk with you something's going on with this person in my family and i know it's going to shock you when i tell you and i was like 25 years nothing shocks me (laughs) i said now i'll be saddened you know but let's talk through let's figure out what we got to do next you know but i won't be shocked God's not shocked by the struggle that we go through. Neither are we, you know. My pastor used to say all this time, expect people to be carnal, and when they're spiritual, you'll be pleasantly surprised. (laughs) Expect them to be spiritual, and when they're carnal, you'll always be disappointed. That's pretty good. And so as a church, we want you to walk spiritual, but we know we're carnal at times, but we're going to keep pushing and striving and, and moving forward together. And so here at Momentum Church, I think there's like two kind of second cup experiences that we have right now and god will give us more second cup experiences but but right now what we have that i think is a second cup kind of opportunity one you just did not not just coming to church but worship i feel the worship experience isn't a song service if you come to it with the attitude that this is the preliminary thing that we're going to get through before the preacher preaches you're going to miss the sanctifying, delivering power of the presence of God in the midst of worship. Because I think when the power and praise of God goes up, the Bible, I've heard people say when praise goes up, his power comes down. You know, And so when we come with a sense of anticipation and expectancy, God, I cannot wait to experience your presence with my church family today. There's something that starts to happen. You know, Think about identity. 
you know, there, there's times when you're worshiping, it's like, who am I to lift up the, uh, the holy name of God? But by faith, I'm going to lift up the holy name of God. It starts to shape your identity. Do you see that? When, when, you're, you feel like you're all alone. You start to look around. I'm bad at that. I'm not looking around to see how many folk are in church. I hope you know that. When I turn around, I look at all y'all, you know, it's like, but I do like it when there's more than less. Hallelujah. <laughs> but when I look around, I'm just like, man, that's my family. And we're coming before God to worship you, Lord. Man, there's just a sense of, of, of just strength in that. The Bible even says that if one will send a thousand to flight, when it talks about spiritual warfare, that two will send 10,000. It's exponential. There's a room full of people here, and there's something supernatural that can take place in this house if we expect and anticipate it. If we come in, it's just a song service then that's all it is, a good reminder of what God has done. Man, when I'm singing those songs, I'm thinking, God, what are you about to do, you know? And so I feel like worship can be that second, that second um, um, cup type of an experience. Change can take place when you press into the presence of God. Think of Peter, okay? I'm going to have you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to do a little walk through Acts, just a little bit today, okay? Think of Peter. Peter was a man who had anger issues. That's why I liked him, okay? He, he was bad man pajama, you know. Um, he was a man that had a struggle to listen, you know, first time obedience. He wasn't real good at it. You know, parents, you know what that is, you know. But even in the end there, I never would have looked at Peter and thought he was a coward. Okay, listen, I'm going I'm to speak to something here. There's a lot of men like Peter who are willing to take a sword and cut Malchus's ear off. I mean, he was bold, you know. But when it all came down to it, man, he was a scared little boy inside. And when it came down to it, he was a coward. And he had a lot of bluster. But when it was all said and done, he needed deliverance. He needed a touch from God. And so in Acts 1, I love this. God, or Jesus, goes and raises. Acts 1. Jesus ascends into the air, goes to heaven. But before he does so, he doesn't tell his people, go out and begin to preach. He tells them to go and begin to wait. In other words, go get together in Jerusalem because the power of God's going to come upon you. There's something powerful about us coming together in a place of worship in one accord. It says here, um, um, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In other words, there's salvation, and then there's the power of God that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit that wants to baptize you, touch you with a new strength and a new power. And what we see happen is God does that. In Acts 1, verse um, 8, we begin to see you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It says that you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so what happens is instantly he goes out and begins to preach. Look at Acts 4, 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So that, that's Acts 4. Acts 4, I kind of jumped ahead. Let me, let me come back a little bit. So he's a man who's a coward. They come together. I think that's important. In that place of being in one accord, the power and presence of God touches him. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and he begins to preach with boldness. When you look at Acts chapter 2, he begins to preach with boldness. He carries that boldness. So in the presence of the Spirit of God, Peter is delivered from his cowardice. There's a deliverance that takes place and an empowerment that takes place to be a bold witness. And so he begins to be the face of God to these people. And so now he goes out into the community, begins to do ministry. And as he's doing those things, people are continuing to see boldness. And I love that. That's the word it uses, boldness, the boldness. Say boldness. boldness. 
But this is the guy that denied Jesus three times. Right. But when they went all in one accord and the Holy Spirit touched him, a deliverance took place. A victory took place in his life. And he instantly, in that day, in that moment, begins to preach and he continues with that, that boldness, all right? And so when they saw that boldness, I love it, they recognized that he had been with Jesus. So Peter received of the Holy Spirit. It changed him in a significant way. He begins to preach. It begins to be that connection between God and what God wants to do through him, and people start to see Jesus. Man, that's all we really want as a church. I don't want people to go, man, they got really neat lights. Or even the Easter thing. Man, that was cool. They had a couple thousand people at the, at the amphitheater. No, I want them to see Jesus. I want Jesus' love and Jesus' power. I want them to see Jesus. And so we see here that Peter is being recognized as one with boldness. So there's been a character change. There's been a deliverance that's taken place. And people are being drawn to that. And they're recognizing something's going on. But also, not only were people, I think, positively drawn. We can read the context of that scripture. There was adversity that came because of it. There was folk that didn't like that he was changing. And you start to change, and there'll be some folk that won't like that you're changing. And so what we see here in verse, chapter 4, verse 18, so they called them and they charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So the spiritual leadership of, of the Israelite, of the Jewish people at that time, they, they call Peter and, and them to come and they, they scold them in a sense and they challenge them not to speak in the name of Jesus. So there's adversity that comes. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God you judge. For we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. We can't help it. It's so who we are now. We just can't help allow God to move in and through us. Isn't that cool? So what we see here is you find deliverance, right? His struggle was with cowardice. Now he has a real opportunity to cowtail and to be a coward. But he doesn't. So there's adversity. But guess what? Adversity can be an opportunity, right? It could be an opportunity for failure or an opportunity for victory. And here comes an opportunity for, the, for Peter, and he doesn't fail. But what he does is he encounters the presence of God. Again, he pushes in deeper, okay? So watch what happens. They run back to their journey group is what happens. Watch, Acts 4, verse 23, okay? When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. You see that? They went back to Jim's house and had journey group. And Carolyn. And had journey group, you know, on Wednesday. At what time? Seven. I don't know if your room can hold anymore, though, can it? We're going to renovate soon. Okay. All right. <clears throat> and so the Lord and I was looking at this, and I just felt like the Lord was showing me that worship, that, that happens here. They went together. They lifted their voices together to God. That's worship, but they're together together. To me, that's that second cup of, of what we have to offer here at the church when it comes to uh, deliverance is journey groups. We grow together as fully devoted followers of Christ, we say. We don't grow unless we grow together. It takes, I believe, us growing together to see the life, God's change, that deliverance take place in our life. I don't know why it is, but change takes place so readily in a living room with chips and salsa. I don't understand it. I'm serious, you know? I'm telling you, they just, they real special place for Latinos in his life. 
Because chips and salsa, brother, I'm telling you, they just, they bring it. They bring the power down. You know? <laughs> amen, amen. Yeah. And mama's tam- tamales. They make you speak in tongues in tamales. <laughs> Are you speaking in tongues? No, I'm speaking in tamale. <laughs> so good. All right. <laughs> But here's the thing, when I talk about that, that idea of life change, okay, you may say, I can change, I can do this on my own. Yes, maybe you can, but someone else can't. Don't miss that. I can change, I can do this on my own. I know, I know, yeah, you can, big boy, but maybe somebody else can't. Deliverance doesn't just stop with you. Listen, changed people change people. Amen? Amen. And that's what we're talking about. Last week was save people, save people. You get saved and you start to tell people about the goodness of God. Change people in an environment like a small group setting, an environment where you're going, God, I'm going to bear open my heart a little bit. And we don't ask you to do that right away, but it just just invariably happens. When people get together, next thing you know, you have a heart that you want to change. And next thing you know, you're going, hey, man, I need some prayer in this. And people are praying. And then next week, you're sharing a testimony, how I'm finding victory. And and the next thing you know, another person's there going, that's exactly what I'm going through. You know, not always, but you know, it's just the coolest thing. Change people, change people. And so when it comes down to it, here's what happens in Acts 4, 29 through 31. All right, this is that little journey group they're having. So they're in a place where they've lifted up the voice of God together. They've had worship. They're in that place of togetherness. And now, and now Lord, look upon their threats. This is that adversity. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. That was where his deliverance struggle was. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, you ready for this? The place in which they were gathered, say together, so important was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Isn't that good? So they had a heart to walk into deliverance. God, change me. And then, Lord, as you begin to change me in your presence, at worship experiences, in the word, when I'm studying, when I'm at home in prayer, as you begin to change me, God, allow me just to pour out what I have so that others might find change. But Ross, I haven't changed a whole lot. I don't have a whole lot to offer. Yeah, you do. If God has poured that much deliverance into your cup and somebody else needs deliverance, you have that much more than they're walking in. You be faithful to share your story. Amen? Is that good? Say, change people. Change people. And so we as a church, we want to be a people that position ourselves to see an outpouring of God's presence and his power and his provision in people's lives. And I believe that happens when we decide we want to see change in our own life. God, I want to drink deep from the cup of deliverance in my life. And the Lord help me to help others. Father, right now, if you have something right now, people raise their hand earlier, raise your hand up again. Raise your hand up again. Lord, right now, you see hands raised in this house. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to touch us today. Lord God, you shook that room where they were and something great happened and they left with boldness again. Lord, our hands are raised to you. Shake the house of our hearts. That as we leave this house, Lord God, that you'd begin to work change in us to the degree that people would recognize and know that those people, they've been with Jesus. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.